Drug industry marketing practices, at times a worrisome aspect to physicians and their practices, may perhaps be experiencing its tightest guidelines yet. Welcome to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter with the Chicago Tribune, and with me today is Dr. Joseph Heyman. He's the chairman of the American Medical Association Board of Trustees. Dr. Heyman is an obstetrician and gynecologist from Amesbury, Massachusetts, and has been a member of the AMA Board of Trustees since 2002. He served as AMA secretary from 2005 to 2006 and was chairman of the AMA's Finance Committee. And this June, he was selected chairman of the Board of Trustees. Dr. Joseph Heyman, welcome to ReachMD. Thanks so much, Bruce. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, it's great to have you here. And I have gone to these AMA House of Delegates meetings for over a decade now. And the guidelines on gifts to physicians come up in some form almost every year. And recently, Pharma came out with some changes to their guidelines. And and if you could, what do you have to say about these? And what does the AMA think of these new guidelines that Pharma has put out? Well, we think it's great that they've put out some new guidelines. We think that these guidelines are a step in the right direction. They're guidelines for companies, though, rather than for individuals. So it's hard to actually compare them with our own guidelines. Perhaps if you could, you could even tell us, you know, what are some of the issues that existed before and where do the pharma guidelines uh, take the issues? Because the AMA has some pretty strict guidelines about not accepting gifts from drug companies. Well, first of all, let me say that from the very beginning, in 1847, the American Medical Association has always had an ethical code that always puts patients first. So anything we do always has to be in the interest of patients. The American Medical Association feels very strongly that there needs to be a balance between a discussion of the risks and the benefits of drugs. So one of the things in this new pharma code, which is very good, is that they emphasize that when they're doing advertising and in an educational forum, there needs to be a fair description about the risks and the benefits of other drugs. The second thing that's really good about these guidelines is that they suggest that physicians should have the ability to decide whether or not a physician wants to uh, meet with a pharmaceutical representative and whether or not that pharmaceutical representative should have information about the physician's prescribing data. And the AMA has had a program called the Physician's Data Restriction Program, which allows physicians to choose just how much interaction they want to have with the pharmaceutical company. And if I could, for our listeners who don't know, there are some ways that drug companies can get data. A lot of the stuff is publicly available, whether it's a Drug Enforcement Administration number, and they use that to find out what drugs a physician is prescribing. And so the sales rep can go to this doctor and find out and say, well, you know what, he's not prescribing this pill. Maybe he wants to know about that pill. And that, some doctors believe, is sort of an invasion of privacy. And so what you guys are saying is that you would allow people to opt out of these databases. That's correct. And this new code asks that these drug companies honor those requests. So that's very important to us. 
Now, as far as the fact that we frequently discuss the relationships between pharmaceutical companies and physicians at our House of Delegates meetings, we've been discussing this for about a generation now, about 20 years. And the reason that it comes up is that times change and people's expectations change. And the democratic process allows us to constantly look at this over and over again and make sure that we're keeping up with the times. And one thing I noticed from the new uh, pharma code, and we're talking about the industry's code here, is that they're going to prohibit on their end the distribution of non-educational items that you know, the average consumer can see in a doctor's office, the pens, the mugs, various reminder aspects that are adorned with the company logo that some doctors may feel don't even influence them, but obviously some people do. And so what are your thoughts about that? Basically, the pharmaceutical industry acknowledging that, hey, you know, even these things of minimal value don't need to be distributed anymore. Well, I guess I'm one of those people who feels that it really has little effect on me. I actually have on my uh, examining table, there are these little mittens for people's feet, Mm -hmm. and they have the name of a drug I've never heard of, and I don't know (laughs) what it's used for. So, So I don't think it's been influencing me very well. But I do know that studies show that in some way they may influence people, and that's one of the kinds of items that we need to take a look at on an individual basis at the American Medical Association. Well, if you're just joining us, or even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, your host. And with me today is Dr. Joseph Heyman, who is the chairman of the American Medical Association Board of Trustees. And we're talking about the pharmaceutical industry through their trade group and lobby, Pharma, has issued some new much stricter guidelines on gift-giving, if you will, marketing to physicians that have been somewhat controversial in the sense that people don't think that doctors should receive some of these things. But Dr. Heyman, could you also highlight for us some of the significant changes that pharma has made that either physicians or patients might not have liked that they're no longer going to do, in addition to we were just talking about the the pens and the pencils and the coffee mugs and so forth? Well, I wouldn't say that physicians are going to be terribly distressed about these things. I mean, one of the things they say is no restaurant meals. You can still have a modest meal in the physician's office. There would be no company-sponsored meals at a continuing medical education event. When they have a group of consultants that they bring together, there would be no entertainment at those meetings. I think that all of those things are really fine. I don't think that anybody is going to be upset about that. Upset that they would be going away. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so, and the thing of it is, with the increasing uh, intensity, uh, there's a lot of scrutiny by the media, folks such as myself writing about these things. Has the industry already made some changes? Uh, I think sort of from a consumer perspective, consumers might look and say, you know what, healthcare costs are rising, not just necessarily drugs, but, you know, why do they have to spend the money on some of these trinkets? and gifts to physicians. I mean, are we already moving away from this stuff? Well, I think the fact that they have chosen to do this is an indication that, you know, I'd like to think the reason they're doing it is because they feel that uh, it's ethically the right thing to do. It may cut 
some of the costs of pharmaceuticals, but I don't think this is really the biggest cost when it comes to pharmaceuticals. And, you know, they're spending so much money on direct-to-consumer advertising now that I'm not sure what the ratio is. Mm-hmm. And what about conflicts of interest? I mean, increasingly uh, you, you hear stories about conflicts of interest where physicians who have an expertise in you know, placing stents and heart stents into people and they're also getting an honorarium or payment from a drug company because they obviously are an expert in the field. But at the same time, doctors might hear a speech from this person and they might not know that they are getting paid and how much they're getting paid and so forth. Do these new guidelines start to address some of these conflicts of interest that we see or we hear about? Well, I'm not sure about the pharma guidelines, except that they do say that there should be disclosures by consultants or speakers who serve on committees that set formularies or develop practice guidelines. But I think in the speaking programs where somebody goes to listen to a lecture from somebody, there are already rules from ACGME and also within the AMA's ethics policy that those relationships must be divulged. And isn't a lot of it about transparency, too? I mean, does the AMA have any stand on that? I mean, if I were to go into a physician's office Uh, I suppose if they had a pen or a notepad that had a particular name of a drug, I won't mention one, but we'll just say cholesterol drug, uh, and yet you knew there was a generic uh, and the physician prescribed you the brand name because the place was littered with pens and pencils from this place. Do you think that physicians, uh, the, the whole idea is to be more transparent about disclosure and what exactly the relationship is between doctors and the drug industry? Well, I think definitely we believe in disclosure. As a matter of fact, the American Medical Association has been working with Congress on the Physician Payment Sunshine Act. That's uh, Senate Bill 2029, which is a bill that does indeed promote genuine disclosure about all of those relationships. Also, I would say that if a patient were in a physician's office and every place they looked, they saw the same name of the same drug and then they got that prescription, I would hope the patient would ask the question as to whether or not a generic might be a better substitute or whether there was something less expensive or or why that was the most important drug for them. I have never had the experience you just described. If you came to my office, you would probably find pens that have all kinds of different names of drugs on them, and I couldn't even tell you the names of the drugs that are on most of them. They're usually given to the person at the front desk, and she shoves them in a drawer and hands them to patients when they fill out their forms. You could be uh, mentioning another reason why maybe they shouldn't use these anymore because uh, the doctors aren't, it's not working. Well, I, I know, for me, I know it doesn't work, but I assume that they must think it does, and they probably have the wherewithal to find out whether it does. So it just doesn't feel like it does for me. And the, since these guidelines are voluntary, and you talked about some things going on on Washington, it is kind of difficult for Congress to regulate this stuff anyway, because it falls under the First Amendment, I would assume. Well, I guess that's so. I know that um, we just recently had a new law passed here in Massachusetts that restricts gift giving and um, that kind of thing. But here again, I don't think you'll find a whole lot of... Um, physician commotion over these laws. Most of us are observing them very carefully anyway. 
and we're, we're always trying to put the patient's interests above our own. Well, with that, I'd like to thank Dr. Joseph Heyman, who has been our guest. He's the chairman of the American Medical Association Board of Trustees, and we've been talking about a new effort by the pharmaceutical industry to regulate itself with a revised marketing code that takes some of the gift-giving aspect away from uh, what we have seen in uh, gifts to physicians and trinkets and offices, if you will. Uh, my name is Bruce Japsom with the Chicago Tribune. I've been your host. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. If you have comments or suggestions about today's show, please call us at 888-MD-XM157. And I'd like to thank you today for listening.